Deja Henry is an award-winning filmmaker, actress, author, and co-founder of The Blue House, a social impact entertainment company. She is active in her community as a former AmeriCorps member and current diversity advocate. Deja is interested in the intersection of creativity and wellness. She's a mother of three active and creative kids and has been married to a social entrepreneur, Derry Henry, for almost 18 years. She is a multiple sclerosis warrior and she creates weekly content around using creativity as a wellness practice on her YouTube channel, which I'll be sure to put in the show notes. I have not even known Deja that long, you guys, but when I tell you that as she shared this story that she's about to share with you, with me, I found myself having tears well up in my eyes. I mean, she just has such a gift for storytelling, and she is a true example of what it looks like to see how God births purpose through our pain. And so I hope that you will be encouraged and motivated after you hear her story today. So I am going to tell you a story, a story of how depression, surviving a shootout, being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and having a family member killed brought me to my purpose. So when I look back on my life, I see a pattern. I see God's hand. For a long time, I would really struggle with this question, asking God, what is my purpose? Who am I? Why am I here? And it always seemed like everyone else around me knew what they wanted to do. My sister wanted to be a surgeon. Today, she's a surgeon. My mom always wanted to do ministry. Now, she has a mission in Jamaica. Um, My father was an engineer. It just seemed like people always knew what they wanted to do, but I was the one who had all these different interests. I was a very self-reflective type of kid, a deep thinker, Um, always felt like I was on the outside. I didn't quite fit in. And I would really hate all the things that made me different. I just wanted to fit in with other people. And Now he's revealing to me all of those places where I didn't fit in or I stuck out. Those are what he was going to use to reveal his purpose in my life. So just a little bit about me is that my mother is from Jamaica and my dad is from India. So I am a second generation immigrant. And growing up, there weren't a lot of kids around me that were second-generation immigrants, or even mixed with two different cultures. Um, To this day, I've never met a person in person other than my sister and my brother with my mix of being Jamaican and East Indian. And if you're out there, I would love to talk to you. (laughs) But honestly, that was a part of myself that I didn't really understand or pay attention to. And now, as someone who has worked with that population and does work in the immigrant and second generation immigrant communities um, of color, especially understanding that there are many layers to your identity and all of that pain that I had growing up wanting to fit in with different groups 
wanting desperately, like wishing or even being envious of people who just had one culture to identify with. Um, I realized that because I live in this cross-section of identities, I've been able to identify and have empathy and understanding and, and be someone who others look at as someone who can be empathetic towards them. I've had people talk to me in their language from all over the world. They'll look at me and just say hello in their language. So um, I've learned to say hello back in different languages, and I think it's an amazing gift to, to be somebody like that. So that's one of my pains that God's using today. Um, so that And that was a source of depression for me, and I didn't really understand um what that was, what depression was. I grew up with a mom who struggled with that, and we never talked about it. That was the 80s and the 90s, and it's not something we really talked about like today. Um, But it's something now I can talk to people about. Um, Again, you know, going through those pains, it allows you to start creating vocabulary, to articulate those experiences to people, and sometimes that's what people need is they need words to put to how they feel, and that's hard when you're a teenager, when you're growing up, to put words to your feelings, and um, I think that journey has allowed me to connect with other people, and it also developed me as a storyteller, a storyteller who's empathetic, and this is going to sound really funny, but for those of you who remember Saved by the Bell, that's what I used to watch growing up, and I used to think, gosh, if those kids can act, I can act. There wasn't a lot of um, TV at the time like that with young people doing shows like that. And so that's something I really liked watching. And I would imagine myself on that show, and I would imagine myself acting (laughs) with them um, as a young person. And I told my mom, well, she told me, I told her at five years old I wanted to be an actress. And I don't know, I was a really shy, introverted person But stories just took me to this place. Like, I was always dreaming and imagining places. I have two younger siblings. I would play dolls and My Little Ponies and Cabbage Patch Dolls, and I would take them outside and make up stories and do adventures. Every single day, story was my escape from the world and my happy place. Um, So that is that part of my story I was a gymnast uh, for 10 years, and I began to tell stories and express myself through the physicality of gymnastics, through working hard, and I I poured myself into that. And that was, it was a good thing to have something like that in my life. Um, That that piece really brought in this this new love for wellness. I didn't really know the word wellness. My coach would talk about something called biomechanics and the physics of movement and how you, you know, hit the beam at this angle so that you can get that most height to complete all your flips and everything. And so I have this story piece developing my life and I have this gymnastics and this love for exercise and competition and team developing in my life. So when I graduated um, high school, I actually went into engineering because that's what my dad did. 
And um, I just thought, man, I don't know how to make a living or even get into this world of filmmaking, so I'll be responsible and I'll be an engineer. Um, But within the first year of the engineering program at Purdue University, it's very grueling. This is like a top engineering school. And I was getting sick. I was, you know, throughout my teenage years, I'd have um, numbness and tingling in my hands, pain. The pain was getting worse in college. I was getting dizzy. I'd have moments of just pure exhaustion and extreme amounts of pain in my shoulders and my hands. And I didn't really know what was happening. I thought it was stress. And I knew I didn't want to do this. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to wait four more years to do my dream of acting. So I prayed. I prayed so hard asking God for wisdom. And this is when I started to develop my own relationship with God. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I had made him Lord over all the parts of my life, but I started seeking him because I was just struggling so much. And I I was scared to tell my parents. My father would tell me the story of how he went to Purdue with $36 in his pocket. You know, their story of immigration to the United States. I'm like, how could I do this to my parents? Like, they gave up so much, and their kid wants to be an artist. You know, I would just think that I would be failing them. But I told my father and my mother what I wanted to do, and they were supportive. But my dad said, if you want to study acting, you have to find the best school and you have to do a second degree so that you can get a job. So I didn't end up going to New York or anything because my mom was very worried about me going to New York and stuff like that. So I changed over to theater, and then I and I knew I wanted to do film, but there was no film program at the time. So I did theater with a focus on acting, and then I went throughout the whole campus praying and asking God, show me what else I should study. I don't want to work with machines. I know I want to work with people. And I went all over, and the Lord brought me to this professor who I walked into his office, and on the table were pieces of literature that was Christian books, and I felt this peace in his office, and I was like, thank you, God, because I'd been searching for weeks and talking to people. It turns out the man was the professor of sports psychology in the kinesiology department. And I had never heard of kinesiology in my life. And I found out kinesiology was the study of physics for movement. It was biomechanics. It was all the stuff my gymnastics coach had talked about all these years. I was like, oh, my goodness. So I signed up for that degree. I did that alongside acting and graduated with one degree in biomechanics and one degree in acting. And it might sound strange, but acting has a lot of body movement and things in it. But still at the time, I had no idea how this was going to work out in my life. I just knew I had a degree, and then I was tired of school. And uh, the Lord showed me who I was going to marry. And I, that's something else I've been praying about, and it surrendered to him after dating a bunch of duds and getting myself in a bunch of mess, <laughs> like, like a lot of young people in college, I was like, you know what, no more, Lord, I'm going to be patient. Um, I had one kind of slip up, but then 
I was like, no, this I, Lord, you showed me who it was. And I didn't even know if I was going to find him, but I did. I found my husband. And again, that peace, when we talked on our first date, we shared our testimonies, which was totally different from any other date I'd been on. Um, I knew, I knew that that was my husband. My, I asked my dad, actually, I said, how do you know who you're supposed to marry? And my dad said, make sure you have the same goals. And so I had a very straight-up talk with him. I even put a little patois. It was straight-up talk with him about his goals. And I said, I want to make movies. And he said, well, I want to make musical scores for movies. And at the time, he'd been studying um, computer science. Uh, computer science technology, but he was a musician and a gifted spoken word artist, and that's how I actually met him. I went to my friend invited me to one of his shows, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, who's this guy? He's talking about God and his art that can go together." What? And then we went on our date, um, and after you know a long time of just phone calls, we finally made it on the date, and he came to a show I directed, and I didn't tell him I directed it until six months later because I. Like, didn't want, I was like, I don't know if he's going to like this and all that stuff. But that was our first date. We had coffee and shared our testimony. And um, we ended up graduating, and he proposed to me. And I ended up um, getting a job at the hospital. And wouldn't you know that I got to use both of my degrees. I was a wellness coach, and in the wellness department, they had a program where they did structured improv for businesses to talk about things like diversity or other issues that were affecting their wellness. Now, just remember this diversity piece in this. And so I was using both of my degrees, and I was like, Lord, really? Like, there's such a place where I use these two crazy degrees together? So during this time, I started just having babies. Like, we were married, and I just – the Lord – told me to get off birth control, and I was like, what? Are you serious? And I obeyed. I got pregnant. Um, now my that daughter, is she's 16 years old, and, um, you know, I started to struggle because I had moved to a new city. I had graduated. I got married, and little did I know that these things were adding up to stress factors. I started having panic attacks, and I – I mean, it was horrible, and I became very depressed, and I didn't know what postpartum depression was. Again, there was no blogging or social media or people really talking about this stuff. I ended up having to leave my job because my I had three kids by now, and they were getting very ill because they had really bad allergies, and I became so depressed. Um, I wasn't being creative. I was home with them. And around this time, I think YouTube was starting to come out. And so I started doing YouTube videos about motherhood. And all of a sudden, I started to feel better. Every time I did a video, every time I wrote a blog post, I felt better. I felt like I was putting something out into the world. I felt like I was making a difference. And I was telling my story, and I remember one day I took my kids to the bathroom, because when your kids are little, it's like you all have, it's like a whole deal, like everyone goes to the bathroom, so I had my, I think she was five, I was potty training her, well, she was 
pretty good at that time, but, you know, I still had to take her, and my little baby was playing in my makeup, and I remember I was, I had this feeling like I'm going to lose it, like I'm going to cry, like I need to, like I'm going to break down, and I remember setting my daughter on the toilet, my son to play, he grabbed my makeup brushes, he was one, and then my two-and-a-half-year-old was standing over me with their arms crossed, and I was on the ground crying, my eyes out. I just remember my face, like, it was cold on the ground, and the tears were hot, and I was just like, Lord, why? I was crying out in my spirit because I didn't want them to see me, but I was crying out in my spirit, Lord, when am I going to be acting? When am I going to do this? Now I'm home, and I'm with my kids, and I love them, but when, Lord, when? And I start. I saw myself on the stage, and I saw myself, and it was this one-woman show idea, and it was called Sweatpants and High Heels, because I was thinking, I can't be the only mom feeling like I want to wear my high heels, but I'm living in my sweatpants. And I was like, Lord, I've never seen a one-person show. I don't know how to write a one-person show. But I got up, and I remember I started, I was laughing, because I was thinking, this is the funniest sight anyone's ever saw. A mom's laying on the bathroom floor crying. Her daughter's standing over her with her arms crossed. The baby's playing and the other kid's on the toilet pooping. This is hilarious. So I was like, this has got to be in the show. <laughs> so I went from crying my eyes out to like imagining the show. And I started like making time for myself and going to the coffee shop and just writing and writing and writing. And eventually the Lord brought me together with another um, mom who was an actress and a director. And together we we worked on what I'd written and she edited it into a show. We decided to do the show and enter it into the this thing called the Diva Fest, which was an international uh, theater festival. And we became the highlighted show. We did the show um, and people would come up to me crying saying, thank you. Husbands were saying, I didn't know my wife was going through this. It was a comedic show about postpartum depression. I ended up being able to take that show to New York to perform. Now, all this time through my pain, I'm learning how to tell stories, how to connect with people, how to engage with people. So while I was doing this, I was working with my mother-in-law. She has an urban garden where she teaches at-risk kids leadership through STEAM, programming. At the time, a young man, um, 14 years old, had been shot and killed um, by stray bullets, and the children were devastated. They wanted to do a play for him. And I had never done a play on my own aside from college. Community theater is way different from university theater. I learned so much about production from top to bottom. We did a show called A Song for Peace, the mayor came. I mean, I've had almost 2,000 people seen this show over the years we did it. I ended up meeting um, my co-producer now 10 years ago at the time through the show. And, and again, I'm learning about community, art, storytelling. And at the same time, I'm healing. I feel like I am have purpose and I'm giving. And so I do sweatpants and high heels. We have a song for peace. And then in 2014, I feel like things are going pretty good. I'm doing YouTube. I'm really 
trying to figure this online world out. And then one night I'm getting ready to do a show, I do a commercial, and my mom is visiting, who I'd called a week prior saying, I need you to come, I need some help, you know, life's getting busy. She comes, and we hear, kick, 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 outside. And we're like, are those firecrackers? What's going on? And I was like, I don't think those are firecrackers. I think those are gunshots. And my mom says, well, what do we do? And I say, I think we need to call the police. Boom, 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 boom. Then all of a sudden, gunshots start flying through my house, bullets flying through. And then I hear my daughter screaming. And I'm thinking, she's scared. She's scared. And I was like, get down, everyone, get down. And then I go into her room when the bullets stop. And she's screaming. And I couldn't believe it. I see blood on the floor, blood on her sheets. And I, my daughter had been shot. And my other daughter's crying. And my, my little son, I just remember holding his hand. It was so small in my hand. And I took my kids and I took them into the office and I put them under the futon and covered them with blankets because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Who's going to come? And all I hear my kids saying, Mommy, don't leave me. Mommy, don't leave me. And it was so scary. And, you know, at that point, my life got turned upside down. We moved out of our house. We've been planning to move anyways. We moved. We moved in with my mother-in-law. And at this time, I'm dealing with PTSD. My son is struggling with PTSD really bad. I'm, no parent thinks they're going to be cleaning gunshot wounds from their child. And so it was so hard during that time um, to save money, to keep the kids in school, to function. But by God's grace, um, we ended up finding this house. And I used to drive into this neighborhood that I'm in now, and I used to drive the kids after school, and I would pray in this neighborhood. I found this neighborhood, and I said, Lord, I love this neighborhood. I want to live here. And we couldn't afford the houses here, by the way. And I said, Lord, I want to live here. I love this place. It's magical. It's called Knightsbridge Lane, the legends of Geist, you know. And I just wanted to live here. And um, God worked it out. Like the house was about to go into foreclosure. We got it for a really good deal. Um, There's so much around that story of getting a house and God's timing and his provision. And we were here. And as soon as we were here and I said, okay, the kids are settled, we're good. I woke up in the morning, I looked out the window, the sun was shining. I said, thank you, Lord, for this day. And I go into the bathroom and I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I'm thinking, DJ, you're being dramatic. You're an actress. Don't be dramatic. And then I'm thinking, no. I don't feel good. Let me just sit down just in case. And then I fell over. I yelled for my husband. I couldn't move anything from my neck down. And this is about a month after we get into the house. And I couldn't move anything from my neck down. And they took me to the hospital. The first they said it was vertigo. But then when I came home, I noticed I couldn't move the left side of my face. I, my hearing was going. I was getting unsteady. We called, got in with a neurologist. They're like, you have to go to the hospital now for three days of steroids. I was like, what? It ended up being seven days of steroid, MRIs, and they're like, you have multiple sclerosis. So remember all those years of 
nerve pain and numb hands and exhaustion and all these symptoms, this is what it was. It was multiple sclerosis. And I was like grateful on one hand to find out what it was, scared on the other hand, like, you mean there's damage happening in my body? What the heck's going on? But get this, they told me all those years of gymnastics saved me from worse symptoms and worse um, being worse in this, this, this diagnosis. So God's like, use all that stuff from the past to keep me now. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I didn't know what to do. It was really hard to figure out. But I changed my life because this thing gave me a gift. I had to stop hiding my pain, stop hiding my exhaustion. I had to start leaning on my friends, leaning on my family, opening up, stop trying to be perfect, stop trying to have everything together. This played into my depression all these years trying to hide, be strong. I didn't want to tell anyone I was tired because I didn't think that was a good enough excuse not to meet with somebody. Now, I tell people I'm tired. It's okay, Deja. We understand. Now I tell my husband I'm in pain. It's okay. I will. I'll go to the store for you. My kids have been supportive. It's it's opened me up in such a wonderful way to be way more transparent. Um, but I had to stop working at the job that I loved and. I took a year off, and the Lord was like, you are not working. Anytime I even looked at a job, um, a job description, I could feel him like, girl, I said no. But He, prov- God provided for us, and um, he took care of us. And finally, this opportunity to join AmeriCorps came along, and that changed my life. So I just finished two, two terms with AmeriCorps with the Immigrant and Refugee Service Corps, Remember my pain with being a second-generation immigrant and not understanding it? Through the two years of working with immigrants, I learned what immigrants go through when they come here, that they want to work hard. They want to make a better life for their family. They want education. Some come educated and have to start at the bottom. These are humble people that want to work hard and be safe. Some of them come from big traumas in their home countries. And I began to understand everything my parents really went through and what they accomplished and the gift they gave me through working in this program. And it was through the Interfaith Center, so I began to work with people of different faiths. And you might think that being around people of different faiths might weaken your faith, but it does the complete opposite. It strengthened my faith in God. And gave me the freedom to commune with people who are different than me. I thought that I was good at it, but it took it to a new level where even differences in beliefs and faith um, came into play. And I was able to make a film called Love Jordan because our, our assignment was to bring mental health resources to the immigrant communities and to faith organizations because we know in immigrant communities, people go to their faith organizations and their faith leaders for mental health. And so we wanted to equip those leaders with more mental health resources. So I had this opportunity to create a film called Love Jordan, which is a short film on suicide and ideation and youth. And once again, I'm able to 
bring this expression of story in the midst of um, th- these assignments and this, these changes and these things I'm learning. And, and God's starting to teach me the link between wellness and storytelling. So when I go back to my degrees uh, almost 20 years ago and not understanding what God was doing at the time, now, years later, I'm seeing the integration of, of these two things that I love so much. And I'm seeing it really, really play out in communities and create conversations and give people tool this tool of this film to start conversations. So we had a premiere. We had our faith leader, um, community leaders, our mayor have a conver- open conversations about depression, suicide ideation. And now, because of that, I am working with our mayor on our diversity committee to bring more understanding and be a diversity advocate. So I said, remember the diversity um, component before when I was working at the hospital. So again, my pain of being different. Now I'm looked at as someone who can speak about diversity with more of an expertise than a lot of the people that are trying to, you know, do the work. They're trying to bring in other people that understand it better. And so he's using these things over and over again. And so jumping back to after being diagnosed with MS, um, about two, no, one year later, um, we find out that my brother-in-law was killed in his home by gun violence. And again, we're being put in the spiral of pain and not understanding things and asking God, like, what's going on? But through this experience, I'll tell you something. My perception of the line between the physical and spiritual has, it's like so, it, it, there's no difference between our spiritual journey and our physical journey. Like, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and having to confront death in this way, understanding when you lose a loved one that you can continue their work, you can keep them alive. So he loved um, community work. He loved music and arts. He loved business. And so now there's a fund created in his name for arts education that we we give into to um, help when we teach. Like I teach kids film, and so we use some of those to give scholarships. And this is how we keep his memory alive. We talk about him. We joke about how every Thanksgiving I would make this salad. Of course, I had to be the healthy, you know, bringing the salad, and he would make fun of the salad because he really liked meat more, you know, turkey and things like that at at Thanksgiving. And so I make a salad in his honor every Thanksgiving, and we we continue to tell stories and stories. In telling these stories, we're continuing to heal ourselves and impacting the world. So through that experience, I remember talking to my husband and um, telling him, to tell me stories about you and your brother because he was having a hard time. And I knew telling stories and sharing your experience is healing. And through that, I wanted to create this movie to talk about brothers and their relationship. And this movie is called Breathe, and it's also on Amazon. And it just talks about the day of a boy coming back from his brother's funeral. And in it, I I do address, you know, that 
line between the spiritual and the physical and what we think death is and and what's happening and um i'm my faith is my faith is um a christian so i do believe that we have eternal souls so that's where that's coming from and um this past november on november 2nd which is my anniversary we won the Chicago Multicultural Film Festival in Chicago, which is my birth town, on my anniversary. My husband did the musical score, and I made the movie. And if you remember, I told you when we talked about marriage, I said, I want to make movies, and he said, I want to make the scores for the movies. And it came full circle. And throughout these experiences, when I look back at this wellness and art and storytelling and how it's healed me or it's healing me. I don't know if I if we fully, you know, are perfected right now. We're always being better and growing and healing. But I also, on the other hand, is I've been able to impact others through the stories I'm telling through my experiences. And so that's where the Blue House, my production company, finally has come to fruition after so many years of wanting this production company, is helping people to amplify their messages through storytelling. So that's what I've been doing. The message that God's given me through my experiences, telling me to write this play or make this film or to help this person with their idea come bring it to life, that I've just been doing organically. My desire is to help people and make an impact and to share God's love because growing up, I I felt, I know my parents loved me, but I felt a lack of love in a way just through my experiences. And that is the full circle. Well, I know the circle will grow because I'm not that old, but actually I'm going to be 41 next week, which is really crazy, awesome, amazing. 40s are fabulous, and getting older is amazing. And growing with God over the years is amazing. But I'm telling you all these stories because in the midst of the pain, you you can kind of struggle like, Lord, where what's the purpose of this? I don't understand how this comes together. But to tell you the type of producer I am, they don't even teach this stuff in college. You can't get a degree in what I'm doing. People are just starting to even look at it in the academic place. God has taught me these things, taught me how to tell stories for impact and how to deal with community and community leaders and how to take a movie and that's just a story and really give it wings so that it can make a difference in our world and our communities. And I hope one day that God will use me to teach other storytellers how to do this and raise up an army of inspirational hopeful, hope-bringing storytellers into the world because that's what we need now. And that is how God used all those pieces of pain to bring me to my purpose now. And I'm so grateful for all of you who are listening to this story, and I hope it blesses you and inspires you to keep holding on, to keep believing, to keep the faith. Be expectant that God will reveal the picture to you in due time and in a magnificent way. 
I hope you enjoyed Deja's story. As I said before, I'll make sure you guys can get connected with her. I'll put all her information in the show notes. Uh, make sure that you're stay connected with us over on our Instagram page at Pain and Purpose Podcast. Would love to hear how this podcast is inspiring you. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. It's always really great to know uh, how you're being impacted by the message. And obviously, if you guys are like me, I am really big on reviews. I don't buy anything without seeing a review for it. So whenever you leave us a review, it lets other people know that this is a podcast worth listening to. I thank you so much for listening as you guys continue to do every week. And I will talk to you next week with another powerful story. 